and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I, as always, am Lucas Stock. And I'm sometimes Jens Nelson. Interesting. This is a podcast, always as well, dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life and the lives of Christians, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. And since today is a Friday, as this releases, uh, we are going to be doing a Christians of History episode. We've taken a, a little bit of a break, uh, a little bit of a of a uh, sabbatical, if you will, a brief one, uh, to spend some time with the Augsburg Confession. And we are back with Christians of History uh, for the next few weeks. We'll kind of go back and forth and see how that works. And today, Jensen is going to bring us uh, somebody who I am not familiar with, uh, pretty much at all. I mean, I've heard his name, but that's about it. So I'm excited. So why don't you take it away? Yeah, no, that's a good segue. As a reminder, so we we have a lot of new listeners, I think, whether it's from uh, people that found us on Twitter or just like, for whatever reason, this week, we've had some amazing numbers. Like yesterday, Lucas, we had 150 um, downloads uh, just over the course of the wow. whole day, which is, is, I think is one of our better, like single individual days. So, um, shout if you're out to it, you guys, right, seriously, shout out. And, and if you're new, um, Christians of history, we started to introduce people to just that Christians from history, the people that we, we stand on the, or the, the shoulders that we stand on the, uh, the people that went before us that, that bore the, um, just the the weight of their context, their world, the things that they were going through, and how um, we we like to look at how they lived faithfully in 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 their very world, in their context. And so um, there have been times where we've talked about well known fig- well known figures like Augustine and Calvin and Luther, and there have been times where we talk about more obscure people like Julian of Norwich or um, Perpetua and Felicity, like just to to name a few. So today. We're talking about a man who uh, is named Samuel Ajayi Crowther. That, I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to roll with it. We're just going to be confident and say Samuel Crowther. Uh, but he was born in um, 1809 with the name Ajayi. He was born in Osogun, uh, which is in Egba. And it's a segment of the Yor- uh, Yoruba people. And if you don't know what any of that means, uh, it's basically modern-day Western Nigeria. So we're talking about somebody who uh, hails from Africa. When he was about 13, he was taken as a slave by Fulani and uh, Yoruba Muslim raiders and basically was sold several times before being purchased by Portuguese traders for the transatlantic market. Um, so again, this is during the uh, the era of the transatlantic slave trade, um, back and forth between uh, Europe and uh, the states, and Europe and Africa, and just it's it was kind of like that big triangle um, between those three places. And so um, at at one point though, his his ship was intercepted by the British Navy's anti-slave trade patrol because at this point in Britain, uh, the slave trade had been banned and made illegal so there there were anti-slave patrols that would you know go through the waters and uh, try to find people who were still practicing this illegally and so these slaves were liberated in sierra leone Uh, and it was actually there in sierra leone that he became a christian and so again i said his name was ajayi that was his 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 birth name Uh, But after his baptism, he took the name of an eminent uh, Anglican clergyman named Samuel Crowther. So Samuel Ajayi 
Crowther. Um, and that's how I think that's how you would know him today if you read about him in books, in, in church history textbooks, or if you're looking, you know, throughout the, the Anglican, the Anglican church's history even. So um, in 1842, he went to the Church Missionary College, or CMC, in London, and he received holy orders. Uh, but back in the Yoruba country, Crowther worked among his people as a, as a missionary um, for about a decade. And after accompanying several expeditions to Niger, uh, he devoted the rest of his life to administrative and evangelistic duties, um, which he did in a newly created diocese um, in the Niger territory. Um, so it's really interesting because, again, he was born in Africa, um, raised there, was, was taken captive uh, to become a slave. Um, but in Sierra Leone, this is where he learns English. So he's taught, he's educated, and um, goes to school and all this. And he he's like fascinated by languages, uh, Greek, Latin, Hebrew, English, French, like all these languages that he's hearing and learning. Um, and so he, that, that was like his area of emphasis. His, his study was in languages, um, linguistics, and he was actually ordained later in life as a minister in England. So in the, in the Church of England, or um, what you might kind of consider Anglicanism, but um, he also later received a doctoral degree from Oxford. Um, so just to kind of give you his his background, his repertoire, the things that he was um, skilled and trained in, uh, but he prepared actually a, a Yoruba grammar and basically like a translation of the Anglican Book of Common Prayer into his native tongue. And he also worked on a version of the Old and New Testaments, as well as other language projects. Uh, but this is perhaps one of his most enduring legacies, is his work in languages, in bringing not only the word, but also um, tradition from English into his his heritage, into his um, native tongue. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end. But um, in 1864, Crowther was ordained as the first African bishop of the Anglican Church. He was consecrated as bishop uh, on St. Peter's Day in 1864 by Charles Longley, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury, and this all took place at Canterbury Cathedral. So he, during this time, continued his studies, um, again, received his um, uh, doctoral of Doctor of Divinity degree from Oxford, um, and it was, um, it was in this time that... Um, there, I guess there was like this op opposition that he faced as as an African, as a as a black man, um, as somebody who was not obviously you know belonging to um, an English tradition. He, I mean, he he wasn't English. He wasn't from England. Um, he he met opposition um, even from close collaborators, and one of those people was Reverend Henry Townsend. And basically, this guy drafted a petition stating that quote, and so this is the quote. No matter what the worth of an African bishop would be, he would lack the respect and influence necessary for such a high office, end quote. Um, he even uh, held this guy, um, Reverend uh, Henry Townsend, held the belief that God had, and this is again in his words, he had given the talent to the whites, um, end quote. So that's just super cringe, super hard to hear. Um, not something that you would want, you know, a reverend saying of, of, of anybody really. Um, but again, as sort of a, a look into history, a moment in time, uh, during, you know, again, 
right in and around slave trading and um, issues of, of, of race and, and hierarchy and all these things, um, he, he was facing opposition, even from within his Anglican um, tradition. And so um, <clears throat> I guess to, to go even further with what this guy said, um, he made the argument that uh, you know, so I, I'm just going to quote it. It says, men such as Crowther, uh, with British habits and education grafted upon their African const- uh, constitutions, will become pioneers throughout Africa and raise the emulation of their brethren by showing them that ability, though covered with a black skin, um, was appreciated and rewarded. Um, basically, what, what he's saying is like, we like people like Crowther because they're educated in England. They they have, uh, so, you know, sort of like the things that we want to see. Uh, we don't necessarily want them doing ministry or um, linguistic stuff. We don't want them doing the work here in England. So we're going to send him back to Africa and he can, he can work among his people who are less educated, uh, less intelligent, um, just sort of, again, lower tier in this guy's thoughts and in his words. Um, so that's that's sort of what he did. He committed to um, being with and working amongst his his people. Uh, and so Crowther died uh, of a stroke on December 31st, 1891. And uh, sort of like his, again, touching on his legacy, uh, Crowther, along with his friend and CMS General Secretary um, Henry Venn, basically acknowledged what they called the, the vernacular principle. Yeah, especially as it pertained to, to missions and, and, and working amongst people groups. Um, but he basically, there is no special or sacred language or one cultural expression of the faith. So Crowther experienced hostility from Englishmen. Um, probably, again, when you, when you consider the time and how people kind of v- viewed this hierarchy of, of how things should be, um, it, it was probably not hard to think that I mean, we even see remnants of this today, but if you're going to read the Bible, you're going to read it in, you know, in English, you can't, you know, because English is is supposedly this higher, loftier language, you know, don't, it's kind of like, like, think for a minute of people who in our country now and today will sort of scoff when people do speak another language, They, they might sort of say something like, you know, just like learn English or something. Um, like we just have that like haughty, boastful attitude, and that existed back then. But what what um, Crowther and Venn were saying is, um, there is no special language, there is no sacred language or one cultural expression of the faith. We uh, we are a part of a, a global church, the one holy Catholic Apostolic Church that has existed for two thousand years, or at this point, you know, eighteen one one thousand eight hundred and fifty years. Uh, but towards the end of his life, as he was nearing death. Um, he reflected on his Bible translation work, and he said, quote, The more I think of it, the more I feel its importance, that it is the base of spiritual success of all our missionary operations for the sword of the Spirit, or the Bible, placed in the hands of congregations in their own tongue will do more to convince and convert them than all our preaching, teaching, and meetings of so many years put together. Uh, so to sort of summarize his words he's saying a a a a bible translation in the language of a people will do far more to convince to convert to transform than preaching and teaching and meetings ever will and this is something that i think we see throughout church history you know this is why 
um, Luther translated uh, into the quote-unquote vulgar tongue. It's not saying that he's being, you know, crude or crass, but vulgar meant just like the common tongue uh, of the people because most people didn't speak Latin. They didn't they didn't understand <clears throat> the uh, the Latin mass. So to have a a translation in German or in English for the first time or or whatever it was to to have a uh, this is why you know even translation societies still exist to help translate from English or from well no it should be you know from Latin or sorry from Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic into a native language uh, and so that's something that he did it's something that the the work that he accomplished in his lifetime um it's 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 sort of sad. I mean, it's it's great to see the legacy that Samuel Crowther had, uh, but what's really sad is the work that he did in about thirty years, uh, over the next one hundred and twenty or whatever, it, it didn't even come to compare to what was done in those thirty years. Like so much was accomplished um, by Samuel and his you know comrades uh, that after that, that there was really nobody to carry the torch, and not nearly as much work was done in and among these people and beyond. So. Um, I guess, like in a nutshell, that's the life of Samuel Ajayi Crowther. Uh, it's 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 one that's filled with with sadness, as you you know, as we learn about uh, being a slave, uh, being mistreated, even as an Anglican bishop, um, sort of having this constant opposition. You know, you're just somebody. He he's just a guy who's trying to faithfully serve the Lord. Um, there's even an account where um, where he met the Queen of England, and the Queen had really like kind things to say about this man's countenance and how gentle and loving he seemed even in his speech. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a shame that, that so much of history can sort of have this dark stain with, with racism, with, uh, with issues relating to race and to the color of people's skin and, and that being a barrier to like the gospel going forward. Like imagine if that barrier had not existed between the English and between, um, Samuel and his people, like, who knows what could have what, what kind of work Samuel Crowther could have done even in England? Like we're obviously thankful for the work that he did in Africa, uh, but there was still a limitation put upon him, um, and it's a uh, it's a shame. So as you know, maybe as a way of application for for people listening today, um, th- these things haven't gone away. We still have these uh, biases, these um, areas of prejudice. We still have. Um, racism even in in our society it's it's quite clear and obvious and and how we react to that what we do with that uh how we go forward uh, has a lot to say because i at least personally i would hate to be somebody who would um have been in the position of that you know racist uh, reverend guy who didn't like what crowther was doing like i want to be somebody who would champion the the missionary work the the Bible translating, the you know, Book of Common Prayer translating, and 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 want to see that go to as many people as possible. So, anyway, that's that's Samuel Ajayi Crowther. Uh, if you want to learn more, like look him up. Super interesting guy. I'm glad that we got to to cover his life. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, and thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in uh, to another Christians of History episode on today's installment of the Doxology Podcast. Uh, as always, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast and available by email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com for feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes or people to cover. Um, we'd love to hear from you, and until next time, we will see you.